You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up, no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here with you. Pleased to be here with you. We are into week six of the football season. It's week six college football, week five NFL, and we're having loads of fun with it. Speaking of fun, my man Amo Calamino was perfect last week. I told you he'd get off the schneid. Six and oh, and college football, three and on the NFL. So let me give him his flowers. I I lost one game, came in second. I love it though. Eleven and, and one. And you did it on and you did it on Thursday night football. I messed around with a Thursday night football. So wait, I'm I'm good at math. Six and oh. What's six and oh and five and one? That's eleven and one, babe. That's a broke bookie. That's Somebody's a busted bookie, bookie. And if we <laughs> caused you to lose your guy, just gotta go find a new one. Or head on over to Bavada Sports Book. The number one sports book online. That's right. I said it. It's not FanDuel. It's not DraftKings. It is a Bovada sports book. So jump on with the sponsor and also subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, which is, by the way, Amo, where a majority of our viewers and listeners are coming from at the moment. We appreciate you guys tuning in to us every week. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next 6 and a weekend from my partner, Amel, here. As well, put that on me. Yeah, well, you know, you're hot. When you're hot, you're hot. Um, And if you prefer to listen to us, as you may be doing right now on a podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon, you know, Amazon's into everything. They can't let anyone have anything for themselves. If you're listening to us on any one of those platforms, go ahead and hit the subscribe button right now. We promise you, you won't regret it. All right, let's jump into some things, Emil. We're, it's a football podcast, man, but I want to start off with this because it this infuriated me. Um, you know, I had some thoughts on it when you first presented it to me years ago. This is, you know, this is this involved your team. Um, and it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a common thing. There's some uncommon things that went on here, but um, it's common in the sense of athlete getting accused of, some sexual malfeasance, if I can use that word. Yes. And Trevor Bauer would have been one of the biggest examples of that, both in, you know, stature, you know, $100 million pitcher. Can I safely say that close to it? He was a three, that deal, he was a three-year, $90 million deal. He literally pitched half of the first season for the Dodgers. I think they got about $10 million back when he was on administrative leave. Essentially, Trevor Bauer got $80 million to pitch half a season for the Dodgers. And if you just leave the story there, it seems like, man, um, the Dodgers got fleeced. But perhaps the Dodgers jumped the gun. I'm going to let Amo get into this because Trevor Bauer did a smart thing. He went after the young lady that accused him and realizing that in this situation, man, trying to get money out of someone in this situation is like squeezing blood out of a stone. What he did do was reach an agreement that would allow him to clear his name, meaning he was able to get the information that would otherwise be redacted or hidden from the public. And he's been able to put it out there. And he had a very good instance for people who didn't follow the story, because we're a football podcast and we're talking about sports here, a little baseball. Let's recap. Number one, full disclosure. I'm a Dodger fan. I'm not a huge Trevor Bauer fan even before. You know, if he pitched well for them, I, I would like his game, but I'm not a, a fan. He does a little bit too much theatrics for me. That said, we go back to May of 2021. He was accused uh, of an incident in May of 2021, around June of 2021. He had sexual relations with a young lady that he met in San Diego. She drove up. You know, it's an hour and a half drive without traffic. They had some weird sex let's put it that way uh you know allegedly choking and you know consensual that was what his take was she came back a second time okay now was that information as i have some technical difficulties here but was that information available 
Yes, yes, she did come back a second time. And if you recall at the time, he was never charged. The DA's office did a two to three month investigation. He was never charged with the crime. Uh, and you would think the story would end there. But, uh, you know, the, the age we live in, because he was accused of something, he was immediately put on administrative leave by the Dodgers. He was suspended by Major League Baseball. I think all, all total it, between ministry, you know, the suspension was like a year. So give or, t or half a year, I forget. Long and short was, I think he's pitching over in the Far East. Japan, I or did. Something like that. So, you know, this guy, at least for a good portion of time, lost his Major League career. And who knows if he'll be back. So if, if the story ended there... You know, it'd be sad, but like you said, Bauer, Bauer went after. He filed a suit saying, listen, I didn't do anything here. In other words, all this was consensual. There was nothing. She was fine when she left my place. He got the text messages. Oh, the it, text it, messages. The, the text messages basically have her. I, and I believe that she was texting with a pitcher from the Padres she knew. Mm. And another young lady saying, hey, this it said something like this dude's worth fifty one million dollars. You got to get the bag. She said, I'm going to get the bag. I'm going to listen. On you're court. missing a very important part. The young lady was her sponsor. Yes, her AA sponsor. That's right. And, and in, in all this, her on. she said, I'm going. I'm going to get the bag. I'm going full on horror if I have to. Okay. These are all, this and is not quote, me. The sponsor said, quote, girl, you better secure the bag. What, type, what type of sponsor is that? What type of sponsor? Right. So she also, in these text messages that he got, had a video of herself in bed the day the alleged incidents occurred where she was the morning up. after, essentially. The morning after. He's sleeping. You can see him next to her, sleeping under the no, covers. eye mask on and everything. I, oh, yeah. He was full on. Yeah, that's a whole other story. He had his eye mask on. Yeah. She, she's taking pictures of her. There wasn't a scratch on this girl's face. No. And she, seemed, she seemed fine. She, Emotionally. She was, she was physically. May, can I even say she was beaming? Yeah. She had that glow. She had that morning after glow. And, I, you know, I'm laughing. It's it's actually not a laughing matter, but it's really, it's scary to me because we're in this age of you make an accusation like this and immediately, instead of saying, okay, stop, we have an accusation, let's investigate. We immediately make the person guilty, tarnish their name. And listen, I'm not saying that this guy's not a weird guy, but if being weird was a problem there wouldn't be anybody playing sports okay there's a lot of weird people it'd be a heck sports. of a lot less pitchers in baseball because they tend to be weird birds um it's a pressure-packed um position to play in sports yeah. it's very pressure-packed so you're going to get different kind of people there amel this really really bugs me because we should be in a situation now where when someone is discovered to have done this the worst that happens to them is that they don't get their money that they were out for or their case gets dismissed. And maybe for half a day or a day or 24 hours, their name is tarnished and they just hide. They can hide for 30 to 60 days. And all is well. People forget a whole bunch of things happen in 30 to 60 days. I think we've reached a point now when we have a situation, especially like this one, that person should serve some time. I understand that we don't want to be a deterrent to young women that find themselves in this situation. And if there's, you know, we start saying, oh, you can go to jail if this is found wrong, blah, blah, blah. We may deter possibly young women from coming forth. I'm beyond that because we need now a deterrent from women doing this. Sometimes for them, it's not even about the criminal case. It's about being able to make that accusation and tarnish someone who's in the public eye to get money out of them in a settlement. And man, you got to start serving some time. You got to start. Well, the final, the final, and I didn't understand the one part of this. So I'm just going to say what I read. I don't know. But at the end, basically they sued one another in civil court. Hmm. After all this came out, they reached an agreement, her people with his, mm -hmm. that neither party would exchange any money. Oh, and 
he never cared about the money. What he cared about was he yeah. Why would he? He's an eighty, ninety million dollar guy. What's he going to get from her? He a, retained a his right though to speak on the matter. That's what he wanted, and disclose this stuff so he could clear his name. And somewhere at the end, it said she she got three hundred thousand dollars from her insurance company. I don't know what that meant. I, I don't know what they were talking about. And, I, and I'm assuming if that did happen, it's so she could pay her lawyers. Who wasted their time? You know, so she's kind of incentivized to do something like this. No loss. I took a chance. It didn't happen. Whatever. That's like, like, that's like going ham on a lotto. So let's look at this list, though, of people here. Okay, over the years, we have the Michael Irvin, uh, Eric Williams case back in the nineties. Sure. Right. We have the Duke, Duke Lacrosse case, famously. Yeah. Matter of fact. The, the young lady who accused them and ruined their senior season, which was canceled, their names, she ended up doing jail time, if I'm not mistaken. For this? For, for, in the Duke lacrosse case, I think she did some time. I'm not 100% on that. Wait, what? Perjury? What'd she do? 90 days? I don't know. But I could almost, because I just had watched something about that a year, year and a half ago, and I could swear she did time. Here's another case where, again, I'm not saying Bauer... And her did not engage in some weird stuff, but no, there's no criminal charges here. Yeah, yeah there's no criminal charges. Was. She certainly looked like it was yeah. the day after. I mean, this is disgusting and I'm over it, man. Start handing out some time to people that do this. I think that will nip it in the bud and uh, we could stop getting guys tarnished like this. Now, of course, if you did do the deed, yeah, you, you should get punished. And guys have gotten punished to the full extent of the law. I've seen people so far as say, you know, um, any individual, young lady typically, that engages in this should get the amount of time that the male would have gotten had he committed the actual. Well, let's look, let's look, no st staying on the, before we get on to football, staying with that, Julio Urias from the Dodgers is, is really charged with something pretty heinous. And there's video of it from what I understand. And he's getting charged with a crime. Mm -hmm. He'll never pitch for the Dodgers again. And he may never pitch in major league baseball again and based on what i've read about the video and and you know i mean he put a, a hurting on a girl he shouldn't he should never be alive. i mean that i'm fine with it so i don't want well, people you know to that's mistake. that's like physical abuse this is where we're, yes. we're walking into a different realm here. yes um and certainly easier to prove i would guess you know bruising all, all that good stuff but but that's what was alleged here too there, there was alleged injuries So the bizarre here. sex came with... Yes, the punching and everything. Oh, and that's right. That's right. She did say, I need daddy to choke me out. Yes. Yes, that's yeah, what folks she said. Out there, the listen, we're paraphrasing. We're piecing it together. But I would urge you, with a little bit of free time that you have, and you know you have free time, go look up Trevor Bauer's situation. See what he posted on his Instagram page and read what he... Read the caption... Um, that summarizes everything that went on. And there. he does a video and he actually puts up the actual text messages. You can read them yourself. Yeah. It's like a you, mini dateline. And I think you guys yeah, draw your own conclusion. He, he's a smart guy, by the way. He's, he's uh, only one a high IQ. Yeah. High IQ one conclusion to, to, to come to here that this chick's a scumbag and she probably won't stop doing this. So that's that. Let's get to football Monday night. Emil. Um, I'm going to say full disclosure, I liked Daniel Jones coming out of college. Uh, came from one of those schools where you don't have supreme talent at your skill positions to throw to. He, I think he was a three, four-year starter uh, for, the, for the Duke Blue Devils. And he checked off all the boxes that I have known to be true for guys that are successful in this league. What has happened to him is he's gone to a Giants football team that's not in its heyday. This is not the Eli Manning or the Phil Simms New York Giants. Um, he's had some decent defenses there. He has not had what I would say top of the line, reliable wide receivers, certainly not throwing to the type of guys that maybe a Joe Burrow or maybe some of the guys that a Patrick Mahomes has had or a Devontae Adams, like what Aaron Rodgers has had. And so, um, he's been lacking in that. And this year he's definitely in that situation. I mean, I would urge anyone listening to this right now, name me a New York Giants wide receiver. Quick. Ten seconds. You can't do it. Um, but it goes a little deeper than this. I'm watching this guy, Emil, I think. It's been a long time since I've seen a quarterback 
lacking the amount of confidence that I saw Daniel Jones lacking towards the end of that game. Well, he's punch drunk. It's funny you mentioned this. I've, I was having this conversation today with one of my friends who's a big Giants fan and I and, and played football at a one double A level, and uh, he agrees. I mean, he you you can't take that many sacks. Eventually, it's it's like anything else. It wears on you. It's like a boxing match where a guy keeps hitting you, hitting you in the ribs. Eventually, he gets your hands down and bang, you're out. And I mean, yeah, you get the knockout. Yeah, I felt like on the 97-yard interception throw. Yeah. He threw it with like with no hopes of completing that pass. I'm just, no conviction. There was no conviction. None in whatsoever. Words, none. none. None whatsoever. He just threw it out there, and it was like his first day playing quarterback, and it's just crazy to see that happening. And I'm just wondering, I know when I dig into this scheme, because you, know, you watch a television copy. And there's only so much you're going to see. You can't see the routes down the field. I'm willing to bet when I dig into this, that's going to be a big part of the problem. You've got a lot of routes going downfield. You don't have receivers that can get separation. I know on a few of those where they show, you know, Monday night football is good for having more cameras than a normal football game. Sure. So they give you that. Uh, I don't know what the view is with the with the the cam that I know what you mean with the with the thing that slide the camera that's above the field. And one of the interceptions that he had. Emil, everyone was covered, even by NFL standards. And the guy's getting beat to death, and he just got the ball out of his hand, and he threw it to a guy. I'm willing to bet there's a schematic problem, which no one will talk about because it's Brian Dable, the guy that got Josh Allen to do well, XYZ. there's a couple things I think fans don't piece together, right? What you're basically saying is a lot of this fits together like a jigsaw puzzle. You can, you can have a... Uh, an average to slightly below average pass pro offensive line. If you've got receivers that get separation, because the ball can come out quicker because the window opens up quicker, right? Conversely, you know, if you don't have great receivers, if you have a great pass pro offensive line, you don't necessarily need great receivers because you get an extra half a tick back there to get sure. separation. Sure. They've got two things going on. They're below average in pass protection and they don't get separation. So it's you got a deadly guy, combo. It's he's taken 18 combo. sacks in two games, the Cowboy game and the Seahawks game. This guy got sacked 18 times in two games. And it's frustrating for me to see because I know this guy's career is dying. If he leaves the Giants, I almost want to say when he leaves the Giants, he won't be looked at as a franchise quarterback ever in this league. Something wild will have to happen. He'll have to go somewhere and there'll have to be uh, multiple injuries or injuries to the starter for an extreme amount of period of time for him to have that opportunity, and he must shine immediately in it. So his career has been trashed. And well, I think the let's look at Jared Goff. I mean, Goff left the Rams, and no one considered him at that point. They said Sean McVay quit on him, went and got Matt Stafford, and they won a Super Bowl. But Goff rehabilitated his career here in Detroit. Here's the it difference. Here's the difference. He went to a Super Bowl, so he was given an opportunity just from that to be a star yeah. immediately somewhere. I don't envision that happening for a Daniel Jones. I can't think off the top of my head right now that a fran any franchise that would take him right now and say, you're our starter and go. They just won't simply because of how he's looked, the optics of how he has looked. As well, a I'll be curious when you watch the 22 film, if you see something schematically, because to me, it's like if I if I'm if I'm looking at the way the problems they have, I've got to get creation creative with motion. I've got to leave a tight end or a back end all the time. I can't I can't I've got to throw I screens. To. I've got to throw shallow routes. I've got to scheme Darren Waller open because he's our marquee guy. I've got to do something. I've got to actually step outside of my scheme. And sometimes a coach is too rigid in his scheme. And that is even when he doesn't have the necessary players to run that particular scheme. It's like uh, it's like coming in and running a wishbone and you don't have a fullback on the roster. You're just <laughs> not going to be good running that. And some guys are so scheme rigid and they don't they don't have it. And it falls on a guy it shouldn't fall on. I'm willing to bet, and I'm going to let you guys know next week when we watch the show, that a, a lot of the problem 
is scheme. Or it just might be me trying to save face on, I think Daniel Jones was a great I have one of these fleeting thoughts, too, I wanted to ask you about since you're talking about watching film. Why does everybody, and I ask you this every year, because every year I hear I hear these things quoted and I don't know where they come from. Why does everybody go to this pro football focus, these, these broadcasters? You're trying to rile me up. That's what you're doing. Because no, you know why? I'm gonna tell, it I'm gonna is the worst. Listen, I'm going to give you a specific reason, and then you can comment. Okay, they keep using the term, especially on Eagle games, the best offensive line in the NFL. Now, they may have the best run blocking line in the league. I don't know. I can't comment to that. But I know one thing. Jalen Hurts is a very mobile quarterback. Sure. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith get plenty of separation. Sure. And Hertz has been dropped 19 times in four games. Okay. So you're not going to convince me that you got the best offensive line, according to pro football focus in the NFL under those conditions. Uh, Amol, I, I will say this for what it is pro football focus professes to be able to do. They would have to have every offensive call that was made. They'll have to know every play. Not only will they have to know every play, they would have to know everyone's assignment on every play that was called in a game. And they would have to do sure. the same thing on the defensive side. They don't have that. No coach would release that to them. They just don't have access to that information. And as such, they cannot do what it is that they say that they do. I'm And pro football focus pisses me off the most because it's the worst on defensive backs. They literally tag all completions to defensive backs, linebackers get to go scot-free. They don't know the coverage. They don't know the assignments. They don't know the responsibilities. And they're out here throwing these grades and certain guys get screwed on it. And fans take this and run with it because we love numbers. We love analytics. That's our thing now. And it makes the common fan feel smart because they can go quote numbers from pro football. Folks. But, but I mean like even DBs, I mean, how about offensive line play? How do I grade the guard depending on the blocking scheme? And if I don't know the blocking scheme, how do Perhaps I Perhaps I was supposed to pass that guy off to the tackle and the tackle didn't show up. I get the sack. Like it's nonsense, but people love it. They run to it. And it's really hard now to have any kind of a conversation with a fan be when they start, quoting pro football focus like they're the gods of football and yeah one of these fans that believe in pro football focus listen to what i just told you they would have to know every play call and know the assignment they would essentially have to be a coach on the staff the only way i would believe pro football focus is if the entire staff was built of people that were on the team's at the time the game was played, because that's the only one who really. Yeah, knows. yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I, I, I went off. Thank you point for bringing that up. Eh? Well, I went off point a little bit because you were talking about watching the Giants game. So continue on with our next topic. Well, we're speaking of schematics. I'm going to touch on a topic that is near and dear to your heart, uh, Emil, and that is USC's defense. Not only were you going ape shit, if I could use that term, um, in their win over Colorado, but I've just seen it. Um, constantly on social media since Saturday about USC's defense, about Alex Grinch, and you know Lincoln. It's not just the gro It's not just the gross numbers. Pardon the pun, because mm -hmm. they were gross. It's it's if you watch enough football, right? Over the years, you get to a certain age, you've seen enough, right? There's there's things that happen in their games, especially late third to fourth quarters. It's consistent. They get sloppy. They go from, you know, first quarter, it's okay. They're making tackles. And as the game wears on, I don't know if if, if they're not doing a good job of conveying to these kids uh, to, to maintain focus. I understand it's a human thing. But when USC is in a game and they're up 48-21 with two minutes left in the third. Yeah. I'm not expecting to recover an onside kick with a minute left. And, and I have to wonder – you know, part of it, sure, I'm at the easy low-hanging fruit is the defensive coordinator, Grinch. He does some weird things, but a lot of this is missed tackles. It's just sloppiness, and to me, it's a, a top-down program thing. In other words, you know, you remember Nick Saban famously a few years ago. They were beating Arkansas or somebody like 55-32, and he came off the field screaming at his defensive backs who gave up a bunch of garbage yards because that's Nick Saban. Right. In other words, and I don't see that necessarily 
here. It's almost like, oh, okay, we're up four scores, so we can be sloppy now. We can miss tackles. And you have some good points that, you know, I'll bring up and let you go on them. Part of it too is, and I, listen, I'm not, a, I love Lincoln Riley. I think he's a very good coach, but he, at some point, he's young, he's 40. It's only his seventh year. If he doesn't start managing, managing his entire program, I'm worried he's never going to win a championship because he doesn't help. And you had this point and, and I, we were talking about it before the show started. He doesn't help his defense with the way he calls a game. Well, I've got a number of points here. Um, one thing that, you know, I've been big on for years is these offensive play callers. These guys that are, you know, you've been hired as a head coach. You don't want to get an offensive coordinator. You want to coordinate the offense. You want to make the game plan. You want to call the plays on game day. And as such, your program suffers. You're not a, you're not a program coach. You're not a CEO of a program. So certain things start to suffer. That could be the strength and conditioning. That could be simple discipline. That could be uh, interpersonal relationships with coaches on the staff. These things get missed because you're buried in your play sheet and trying to put together plays to go beat someone on a Saturday. So you're just too much on one thing. Uh, the other thing is when you get these offensive play calling coaches, it tends to be about offense. And so the practices aren't set up in a physical kind of way. I'm yet to find one of those guys that will allow practice to be physical. You cannot touch the quarterback in any way, shape, or form. So the only time they get any kind of contact or hint of contact is in live action. Um, your defense learns how to just allow plays to happen in front of them um, because the, the, the success of a play needs to be rehearsed against air pretty much. You know, they'll get mad at a defensive back or a linebacker for making a play on the ball. And yes, okay, maybe that allows your offense to flow or whatever the case may be. What it does, though, on the defensive side is it 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 starts a habit. And you'll notice that these kind of teams aren't very good at tackling. Um, sometimes they lack effort because in practice, they're kind of not encouraged or incentivized to run to the football. And they're just not going to be that kind of a football team. And what these guys tend to think is, well, we'll just outscore any problem that we have. Um, some of them, like a la Dan Mullen, I don't really need to recruit like that. My plays work no matter who's running them. You know, I'll, I can get a quarterback that's a three-star. I don't have to have top-of-the-line wide receivers. We'll cross people up and get guys open. Well, well you that's brought up something problem. to me years ago. I remember you telling me this, and, you know, I never really – it's obvious when you said it, but you don't think about it. Football is one of those sports, uh, well, every sport is, but football especially because the intensity. When you lose focus in the center of a game, it's almost impossible to get it back. So, like, Saturday was a good example. I mean, USC dominated Colorado for three quarters. I mean, of course, 48-21, but at some point in there, they were on the bus ready to go back to the airport. The other team wasn't. Yeah, it was another ho-hum win. And, you know, kudos to to Deion Sanders. If there's one thing he's shown is that it's not all glitz and glamour, as some people have tried to say. He has taught his team something about believing, grit, um, and a never-say-die attitude. And we know what that yeah, thing they is. Kept, they kept playing. And there's time on the clock. Let's keep going. Lose that, yeah, when you lose that focus with 16, 17 minutes left in a game, you're going to – have one of those games where you get your ass beat because you stop playing. And, and I mean, that would, that's my biggest concern. I can get, listen, I understand they're never going to be Alabama. If they're winning games 52, 28 and, and the defense is at least a, a deterrent, I'm fine with that, but I don't. When I see that kind of sloppiness, that, that stuff, drives me crazy because you can control your effort anything you do in life you can always try yeah you might not I, be good at it but you can try lack of effort in the fourth quarter of that game i i i feel you on those things and you know aside from the lack of you know physicality that comes with this there's also going to be you know sometimes you can have a conditioning issue and um you know all of these things start to come into play and lo and behold, Emil, I hear you saying how, you know, you don't need the defense to be stoppers or, you know, they don't need to go out and crush people. Ultimately, 
you run into a team that wants to be super physical. And when you run into those type of teams, well, then that's when the, that's when the big loss happens because your offense is just not always going to work. You're going to run into a team that just is super physical. And now you need your defense to make some stops. You need your defense to make some plays and, and, and then you're not able, you're not able to get it. Yeah. So you just get um, a team that's just not very physical. And when they run into a team that is physical and, you know, an Oregon state this year, or Utah, or maybe someone out of the big 10, if they make it to, you know, college. How about a Notre Dame in two weeks? Or, uh, yeah, I just don't know if Notre Dame can return enough firepower, but you run into a team that has enough offense to go with their physicality and you run into a really bad night. You just can't. Well, and I think what's time. happening, I think they're also in a, in a time and, and this is a, a, a dangerous, uh, you know, and I'm not comparing Lincoln to Clay Helton. Lincoln's a really good coach. I think he's got a little bit of seasoning and I hope he figures out some of the things that you're talking about. But you remember those two years when Clay Helton had Sam Darnold and for whatever you want to say about Darnold as a pro, he was a fantastic college quarterback made a few too many mistakes but at the end of the day he masked things that were going on with clay yeah and they had some and i think now they've got a guy who's five steps above that this guy is a, a unicorn he's mm. you know a guy who comes around every 20 years i think at the college level and i think he's gonna be and he met like you're able to get away with things and i think there's a little bit of that on that team it's like oh yeah well if we screw it up it doesn't matter caleb will bail us out <laughs> Here's the one thing I've noticed throughout time. Um, and, you know, you're a big Pac-12 fan. Um, you know, I've obviously been a Pac-10 fan. Um, sure. You know, I have some West Coast ties. One thing I've noticed about it, it's always been an offensive conference. We've known that. Quarterbacks come oh, out. Always. Always, always been an offensive conference. Except for when USC was good. No, no, no. <laughs> I will say it has always been that way, Emil, that, yes, it's an offensive conference. But the team that usually rises to the top of that conference is the team that has a defensive element to them. Yeah. On the flip side, the SEC has always been known as a defensive conference. The team that rises to the top is the team that could pull out and have some offense right. to that too. Right. And I, you know, in a year where this turns out the Pac-12 is as competitive as it's, you know, probably ever been, I'm just concerned that USC is not going to be able to bring enough defense to the table to seal the deal. Perhaps there's some, perhaps after all this that's been going on publicly, some changes are made at USC. I don't know what those changes would be. This is the same team that let Tulane run up and down the field at the end of last year. But. Well, I, I mean, what you, what, what you hope as a fan or even as a college football fan, if I didn't like USC, you know, I think, Lincoln Riley has some elements of the potential to be an all-time great coach. I hope he has a mentor in the profession that, that we're not privy to that says, Hey, listen, you know, you're really got things going. You're a great offensive coach, but here's some things you might want to consider if you want to take this to the next level or else you're going to find yourself in a situation like he was at in Oklahoma where he's losing a college semifinal to Georgia 54, 48. <laughs> yeah, absolutely insane. And, you know, if there's a situation where you just couldn't outscore a team. All right, let's jump into the college football uh, picks. Should we recap? We we sh we shall recap because it's a good recap. And we can um, we can kind of talk about maybe some big games that there's a couple. And then we yeah. can roll into the NFL stuff. Well, first of all, your college season is amazing it's going rather uh, Chad, well you you were three and oh last week you're 13 and two that, that's not i you, you heard that right folks he's 13 and two on the season he came at you early and started your weekend off the right way on friday night he gave you oregon state minus three and a half they had a dominant performance against utah they beat them they did i was impressed Impressed with Oregon State right now. And then you had NC State, which really was dominant for a chunk of that game. They were up 10 nothing into the third quarter, and you were getting three and a half. They won the game. They lost the game 13-10, but they were never outside the number. So you had two quick winners there. Good, great pick on Clemson. You read the tea leaves right there. They, 
they were pissed off and and you know they went up to Syracuse and they took they care couldn't of go two and three Amel just no way no. they could do it no they way. won by seventeen so you you were three and zero oh. uh I I was three and zero oh as well My, I'm eight and seven on the year I'm above the Mendoza line uh we gave you a, a six and zero oh college week I gave you Colorado I didn't think it would get as close as it did at the end with an onside kick but I kind of had to have a good pulse on USC and I felt this would be a game where they started fast. They understood they didn't want the home crowd in it. And I, I kind of felt like I know their defense. They'll score against Colorado and then they'll relax. Now, I didn't, I didn't think they'd get down to an onside kick with a minute left, but they got 21 and a half points. Hey, Colorado, they're fighters, man, if they're nothing they're else. Fighters. Uh, I, I gave you Arizona State plus 12 and a half. I think that young coach there, he's 34 years old. He's on to something. They went on the road. They played Cal really tough, 24-21 loss. You got 12 and a half. That was an easy one. And then finally, usually before the Red River game, I stay away from Oklahoma and Texas games, but I really have seen Iowa State this year, and they're down, and I felt like there's no way they're hanging within I thought in 19. that situation, Emil, it was a good pick on, on Oklahoma because they weren't that last year. And usually yes. in those situations, those teams need to come in with a certain amount of confidence and they try to get it the week beforehand. So that was that was a solid pick. Yeah. So I was three and oh, so I'm eight and seven. How about we do this? I'll give you mine in this one. You go second in the NFL. You'll go first when we go. Hey, how you doing? Donnie, two times here. And of course, the pleasure is all yours. Well, let's talk about making some bets and making some cash. If you're trying to do this the right way and not the wrong way, Bovada Sportsbook is the house where you need to be making your wages. My cousin Anthony, who works down in the casinos in Vegas, lays his wages with the guys at Bovada. And if cousin Anthony is doing it, then you know you gotta be doing it too. The folks at Bovada have the greatest lines, top of the line customer service, and here's the best part. They get the money from the big winners into your hand fast. Click that link in the description to open your account now. You know what I'm talking about. Have at it, my friend. Uninterrupted. Okay. I'm not missing the big game this week. I, I got Oklahoma, Texas picked. The line is six and a half at Bovada. Uh, I'm on Oklahoma plus six and a half here. Uh, Texas has struggled in some spots this year, and it's been masked by the final score. So, in other words, they beat – they did the opposite of what a USC did this week, where USC made the score look closer than the game by playing poorly. Texas played Wyoming. They were in a slugfest with them. It was at Texas, 10-10. And then they scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and won 31-10. So you, you just read the score. Ah, they killed Wyoming. No, they didn't. And I think this is a spot where you're asking them to beat their arch rival by a pretty big number. And I, and I think that number is going to piss off Oklahoma. As you said, last year was a really bad year. I don't know, what were they, four and eight, I think? Um, they are, they're playing this season with a chip on their shoulder. It's a rivalry game. They come in, Texas is the number three team in the country. I won't be surprised if Oklahoma wins this game outright. Carrying on, what's the next one you got? Next one, uh, here's a situation. This is a total situation pick. Louisville. Played last Thursday, so they got some extra rest. They won that game at NC State. Um, they're obviously a defensive football team, as is Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is in the third leg of what is a really tough stretch of games. They lost that that brutal game to Ohio State. As bad as the loss was at the end against Ohio State, they won in a similar fashion last week at Duke, converting a fourth and 16 down 14-13 Another defensive battle. They won 21-14. I think it's a big ask. Notre Dame goes on the road again against an undefeated Louisville team. And they have USC on deck next week, which, which should be a top 10 matchup. Between the lack of focus and lack of maybe some energy here, I think this game is just like last week's game. It comes down to the very end. I see a three, four-point game here. I'm getting Louisville plus six and a half at home. I'm taking them. Louisville, six and a half. What do you got next? And then finally, we spent the first part of the show, or at least, well, I did, and you did too, beating up on USC. And I'm taking USC this week, minus 21 and a half. And I'll tell you why. If every, if that doesn't piss them off, 
after everything that's been said this past week, after a win, by the way, they're listening to this, and they're they're ranked in the top 10. If that doesn't piss them off, then there's something wrong with this team. I think they're going to get in the Coliseum after two straight road games, and I wouldn't want to be Arizona. Like, th- th- this to me feels like USC is going to hang 56 points on them. All right. You're trusting that defense you just whipped up on. Well, I'm trusting them to give up less than 35. How's that? I just said I, USC is going to score 56. <laughs> yes. What, whatever problem we can't solve, we will use it by, you know, outscoring someone. All right. Great picks there by you. Oklahoma plus six and a half. Louisville plus six and a half. USC laying the major wood. Minus 21 and 21 a half. And a half. Yes, and pause for all of those out there that know what I'm talking about. All right, I'm going to run through my college football picks real quick at the end. You can correct me on any lines that I might be using here. I'm going to start off in the Big 12 where I've been successful this year. Basically, I've been successful this year in any game outside of the SEC and any game where I picked against Dion. and those are the only two losses that I've had. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Baylor did the amazing thing last week uh, against UCF. I think they're going to be worn out coming into this game. I expected more out of Baylor this year. They're not that. They're a two and three football team that's had all kinds of problems defensively that I did not anticipate. This is that same team. Second, fourth quarter of last week aside, I just don't think they're going to be able to have enough energy for a Texas Tech team that's two and three, but is much better than their record shows. It's time for Texas Tech to start doing what it is they're supposed to be doing. I've watched them play. They're the better team. I'm going to take them minus one and a half here. I'm going to go to the Big Ten. Iowa, they were good for me last week. I'm going to get back on with Iowa again. They're taking on a Purdue team that is sitting below the Mendoza line. And yes, Iowa can't be accused of having a great offense. No one can make that accusation and and have it stick. However, at two and a half is what what they're being asked to cover here at home. They don't have to be spectacular offensively. Purdue's coming into this game off of a big blowout win over Illinois. Quite unexpected. I think they're going to be a little too giddy for that. This is the same team that lost to Wisconsin by 21, to Syracuse by 15, and they also lost to Fresno State, who's good, by the way, but certainly not a Big Ten football team. I'm going to take Iowa two and a half. I'm going to go now. I have not touched the Colorado football game on uh, since opening day. When Dion pulled off the miracle and asked everyone, you believe now? Well, I believe uh, this week for sure. I like them off of the back-to-back losses to get back into the win column. I can't see this team with the way they move. All right. I was thoroughly impressed with what they were able to do in the second half. We can talk about USC's um, defense or whatever. They could have easily laid down and said, hey, this looks like it looked last week. We're just not in this league yet. And they could have fell back. They didn't. And that's the kind of stuff that will get you a win against a one and four Arizona State team who you wisely picked last week. I just don't think they're ready now to take on a Colorado type. Um, well, I think they may be gassed. I like your pick here for the simple reason. I think Arizona State put out a great effort against USC, goes on the road, puts out max effort to almost beat Cal in, in a road upset. And now they're asked to come home and play kind of a pissed off Colorado a team. A pissed off Colorado team with firepower and playmakers that they're dying to unleash. Uh, Arizona State's lost four in a row. I can't see them coming off the schneid against Colorado, who is a three and a half point favorite. All right, Amo, that's what I've got. Did I get all the lines? So te- uh, yeah, I got I got Colorado at four for you, but I've got t- Chad's giving you Texas Tech minus one and a half. Iowa minus two and a half and Colorado minus four. I'm cool with the four. I think Colorado wins the game by double digits. I could see a 38-28 type of deal um, or something of that. Let me ask you this. What are you thinking just as an opinion? You know, there's a pretty big game in the SEC West this week. Uh, Alabama, I believe, has been installed as a two and a half point favorite. They're going down to College Station. Texas A&M's only loss was against your Hurricanes. What do you see here if you had a um well I, I hate to tell folks this, all right. Um, you know, maybe people out there who are some Bama haters, and there should be Bama haters out there. There've been a lot of people who have suffered trauma at the hands of Roll Tide and Nick Saban for over a decade now. So I totally get there being haters out there. But 
for all you haters out there that thought this was it, guess what, folks? Alabama is the best team in the SEC right now. Yes, you heard me right. Better than Georgia, who has struggled in just about every worthy game that they've played, any kind of an opponent that they've come up against. I don't know what that was. LSU rolled out there for a defense last week against oh, I was bad. We already saw what Alabama did to Ole Miss. So I don't know who we trust in the West outside of Alabama. On the East side, Tennessee is a pumpkin. Um, Florida is getting trounced by Kentucky and beaten for the third time since Eisenhower was, you know, in office. So when you sit here and look at the SEC in totality, Alabama's the best football team, and they've got a score kind of settled with Texas A&M. Things are things are better. Well, and I don't trust Texas A&M, Emil. Well, yes. you know, Texas A&M lost their quarterback last week. They they did. I don't know if that matters a whole whole bunch. Jimbo's a pretty good play caller. Yeah. A lot with a little. I have been struck by the fact that he's not been able to get a top-of-the-line quarterback there. But that doesn't well, for them. It doesn't matter on the line. Alabama's a better football to team. To your Alabama point, you know the old saying, when you come for the king, you best not miss. Yes. Uh, Kiffin had a chance to kind of bury Alabama for this season. And help out the rest of the league, and he failed. And he missed. And, you know, as much as we spent a good 10 minutes dissecting USC, you know, Georgia's getting a pass because they've won two championships. They're the opposite. They're very weak offensively. Nobody's talked about, you know, I I mentioned it on the show last week and maybe the week before kind of letting people know this is not the Georgia team from the past. Um, And they kind of proved that again last week. Last week was an opportunity for Georgia to say, hey, look, we're kind of just floating through the regular season. But here's a game. This is Auburn week now. Whether Auburn is great or on their way to a national championship, they have Cam Newton or they got Bo Nix. This is a big game. And it took to the last possession for them to get a victory. So right now, I got Georgia below Alabama. And sorry, folks, I think Alabama is the best team in the conference. And if you're the best team in the conference, you're not losing to Texas A&M. I don't trust the Aggies in this situation. I got one more I want to ask you before we head over to the NFL. You know, there's a game that is a, on paper a sneaky good game, right? Ohio State's 5-0. and Maryland's coming in at 5-0. Now they've Best, I think, Maryland can scare Ohio State, and they probably will. Uh, Maryland has done well for themselves against the big boys the last couple of years. I don't remember the score from last year. It might have ended. No, up- they did well against Michigan last year. Usually, Maryland, for some reason, if you go back and look at their scores, Ohio State does them good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they got something for Ohio State this year, um, because I think Ohio State has. A, who does Ohio State have the next week? You know, uh, they don't have Penn State. Penn State's on a bye. Then they play Massachusetts and then Ohio State. So I, I think. You're thinking of the Penn State game, but the Penn State game is the third week of October. They're at Purdue, so nothing to look ahead to there. I think Maryland hangs around, um, and the odds makers think so too because the number is 20 at home, and that's not, you know, that number in years past has been four touchdowns plus. Ultimately, Ohio State's going to make, you know, more plays than Maryland, and they may come close to that number. If I I wouldn't play this game. You know what? I actually think this is one of those games where – where the number is going to be pretty close. Like this game feels like 42, 21, 42, 21. Oh, like that's going to be right. I think, yeah, I think it's one of those games where it's really tight on the numbers. Yeah. I could see, uh, well, no, they don't do this in college football. Like what Mahomes did against the jets, just go out of bounds and not get the points. They don't do that in college. football. No, they don't do that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I think the number is just right. And when I, when it, you know, I was looking at the games this week and it said 20, I was like, yeah, that's probably and, about it's, right. that's a good segue. Since we're sliding over to the NFL, I want to talk a little bit about real football versus the gambling aspect. And what Mahomes did you know, fans get angry. That's 100% the right thing to do. The only way you can lose that game is by giving the ball back to their team. Case in point, it happened in the same week. The Eagles are in field goal range against the Commanders, formerly known as the Redskins. It's 24-all. There's a minute and a half left in the game. The right call for me with a good kicker, they're on the 22-yard line or something, two runs up the middle. Washington's out of timeouts. I run it down. 27 24 thanks for playing okay they throw a touchdown pass to aj brown i was sitting with my son-in-law i said i said it might not matter but that's really stupid listen anything can happen in this game 
Yes. Teams would go down there really fast, and they did. get a lucky play, score, get an onside kick, and now you've got a football so game. So they went down the field in a minute and a half, scored on the last play of the game, and then I was equally shocked. Ron Rivera, I told you, 31-30, I'm on the road. I'm a nine-point underdog. On paper, I'm not the better team. I've got two yards. I'm going for the win. You know, that's the defensive mindset coach there. If it's an offensive guy, they go for it. Unless your name's Brandon Staley, who's a defensive guy. That... But you know what I'm saying. I At that point, I've got control in my hands. And win or lose, I get to decide what I'm going to do. I have the ball. Once, I got I the, the ball. ball. Once I kick the extra, I don't know who's going to win the coin toss. I don't know if my defense is going to hold. I'm going for the win. Amal, I continue to be amazed how two-minute drills are mishandled in the NFL situations like that are mishandled in the nfl for god's sakes there's enough money in an organization to pay a guy simply to just do that job hey what's our best move here should we go i don't you're right on the two minute drill but i don't think you know what i think that's about i really believe this ron rivera's been a lot around the game he's old school he's been around enough pressers he knows if he kicks the extra whatever the final ends up he doesn't necessarily have to answer for that in other words i kick the extra we went to overtime. If you go for it, if you don't make it, you're going to spend 20 minutes in your pressure trying to explain why you went for it. And I think a lot of these maybe old if you guys, have maybe you it maybe if you have some real strong job security, you make that move. I don't know how secure Ron yeah. feels there. I mean, his new ownership, they may want someone else. Who the heck knows? A lot goes into those situations, as I've tried to tell people when it comes to coaching. To you sitting on your couch at home, it seems very simple. But some of those decisions that are made there, there are a lot of factors that come into mind. There's things that's happened during the week. There's the health of players that you may or may not know about. There's stuff that has happened during the week in terms of practice where a player didn't execute a play all week or couldn't run a coverage all week that that plays into your mind. And you or you may just not have a good I mean, in other words, it's funny to say this, but down in that compact area, you got to have something that you feel really good about. And there may not be a play you feel there. There about. may not be. And I'm, I've got a quarterback I'm kind of working with, you know what I mean? He's coming around, but he's not, he's not, he's not lights out. So yeah, I understand that move. I wasn't really saying hire a guy for situations like that. I'm talking about two minute or the situation where the Eagles go ahead and score when they should have stayed in bounds. Oh, well, that was, yeah, that was. It's amazing how that, Chiefs are able to get that right, a team that goes to the Super Bowl. And but other- the Eagles is on, to me, that's one of you, like you always say, the coach has the headset. To me, that's on Sirianni to say, hey, hey whoa, 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 we're not throwing the ball here. I do math here. Football is math, all right? Um Let's get into, first of all, let's talk about our picks with, you know, I, I don't know how much time we're going to have remaining. Well, you kind of let the the horse out of the barn. Chad had one loss last week. We talked about that early in the show. He took Green Bay on Thursday night, but uh, he, he finished the week strong. Tennessee, outright winner, plus two and a half. He had my Cowboys giving six and a half. I had two strong blowout Patriots. winners there. Yes. By the way, so that were- was Donnie two times pick. He's not going to yes, be with he, us He did today. a nice job with it. You tell him. He's welcome back anytime. Uh, you're two and one. You're eight and four on the year. You're killing it in college, too. For those of you who can't add, he's 21 and six. That's Cha-ching. pretty good overall. And I, I was three and oh. That pushes my record to seven and five in, in pros. I had the Bills minus three. Look I at you above felt, the Mendoza line. Yeah, I kind of felt the Dolphins were just due. You no, know, great thing. 70. Your head gets a little big. Yeah, great pick. Um, I had the Cowboys also, and uh, you know, I went against I went against your team there. The uh, I had the 49ers giving fourteen to the Cardinals, and uh, they they didn't dominate it. They covered it. I mean, it was close for a while. So I felt like they, yeah, they dominated. They had a little period there where, you know, the the, the Cardinals are kind of like uh, Colorado. They're they'll yeah. go out there and fight you every week. So we are on to your picks. Hit us with them. All right. Going to give this to you super fast. You can correct me, Amal, on any lines that, you know, I might have had off, you know, every, okay. as, a, as a, a sponsor, Bavada, every now and then, you know, and I didn't really look back um, after my initial picks here. All right. So here's what I'm going with. 
The Atlanta Falcons, they return home. They've been a little bit of a mystery for me this season, but as we've gone along here, things are starting to clear up. They're a pretty good football team that can prosper in situations where we don't take them the fish out of the water. They're at home against a Houston team that has is coming around. They've got a nice little rookie quarterback. They're coming around, but they're not ready to make that leap yet. They got their win last week. They've gotten all their kudos. I think they're going to get after the rookie quarterback this week. Atlanta coming home after back-to-back losses cannot come home and lose to Houston and their rookie quarterback or their season's going to be in the toilet. They need only to win this game. The number's one and a half. I'm going to back the Falcons in this one. Pittsburgh, okay. the Pittsburgh Steelers did not look good at all last week. They lost to the aforementioned Houston Texans and their rookie quarterback who sliced them and diced them. There's no way Pittsburgh is a good football team that anyone should pick at all at any time. They've been blown out by San Francisco. They got beat by Houston. The quarterback is gimpy. Gimme Pittsburgh in this battle against the Baltimore Ravens. We know black and blue division. This is a good way for Pittsburgh to get back on. The Ravens come into this game off of a blowout win on the road against Cleveland. All the money is going to go on the Ravens. And when all the money's going one way, I'm going to go the other way. Pittsburgh has pride. They play defense. I think they can cover their rear ends at home as an underdog to the Ravens. That's going to have them incensed. And now they're getting four in that game, by the way. And and honestly, that's a solid pick. If you look at the history of the series, these games, they almost always end up three points. Absolutely. I'll take the four. The big game in the, the big one. The big one on Sunday night has got the Cowboys against the 49ers. Old rivals. We can go really deep into this one, but I won't. I'll stick to what we've got going on this year. In successive weeks, I've watched both of these teams play against my son's team, Arizona, and I've come away with the impression that right now San Francisco is a better, more well-oiled machine, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if Brock Purdy is you know, a big-time quarterback. What I do know is right now, Emil, he's the best guy for that offense. That guy executes that offense. He knows where the reads are. He gets the ball out of his hand. He takes care of the football. If you get the ball to 23, really good things are going to happen. But outside of that, you've got a couple of wide receivers and a tight end to do good work for you. And Emil, I've watched the All-22 several times on San Francisco. By golly, man, they get after you on defense. And where the Cowboys do the same defensively, I am a little worried about them offensively coming into this game. I don't think they're running the football this year the way, or at least early on, that I hope they, w- they would run the football. That creates problems for them in the passing game. Um, so, And really right now it's you get some gallop, but they're over-reliant on C.D. Lamb, I think, right now, and I think he could be taken out of the game plan. So right now I just think the better-oiled machine is San Francisco – I think they'll win this game and three and a half, I think is the number is not three and a half the number. Yeah, I can, uh, to be honest right now, I see like a 30 to 20, 31 to 20 win for San Francisco here. Maybe the Cowboys get them later in the year, but this game at home, I like the 49ers give them. Uh, so give Chad's me giving you the Falcons minus one and a half. He's giving you Steelers plus four. And he's crapping all over my Cowboys taking the 49ers given three and a half. Okay. What you're hot. What can I say? My friend. I'll make it simple here. I'm going to start off with the London Jaguars, okay? Ah, Yes, might as well. Two weeks in a row? Two weeks in a row, and, you know, I think there's obviously an advantage, right? Two weeks in a row there. Buffalo coming off a huge division win against Miami. The money will probably roll to Buffalo because they, you know, 48-20. I think this ends up being a tight ball game. It wouldn't even surprise me if the Jags somehow pulled an upset here. But I'm getting five and a half points. That's a lot in the NFL. This isn't college. I don't need them to win the game. I just need them to be competitive. And I think the Jags will be competitive. I'm going to go for low-hanging fruit here. I usually feel like stuff like this is a trap. But after what I watched, number one, Monday night, and then I got a team coming off an embarrassing four-touchdown loss, and it's a good football team. I think the Miami Dolphins are going to add to the Giants' misery on Sunday. Uh, they're giving 10.5. I usually am not real excited about laying double digits in an NFL game. But I just, the way the Dolphins play offense, coming off a 20-point performance, which is poor for them, 
this feels like one of those games it might be 41 to 10. I mean, I I just think Miami puts it on the Giants this week. Absolutely. And finally, I'm going to go on a limb here. I don't know about you and how much Eagles football you watch. The Eagles are 4-0. They very well may be the only undefeated team in the NFL by the end of the week if Dallas were to upset San Francisco. They could be. But I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of they don't look like a dominant football team. They're not the team they were last year, at least not yet. They're, they're getting by, and now after getting by at home in overtime against the Redskins, they're going to play a Rams team that's surprising us. I mean, the Rams are better than at least I thought they'd be, and they're getting four and a half at home. That's a tough trip across the country for the Eagles in a game I don't know how seriously they'll take the Rams because they may be thinking just like I am, like, hey, the Rams weren't good coming in this year. I think the Rams hang with them in this game. Somebody wins it by a field goal at the end. I don't care who it is because I'm getting four and a half. Um, Yeah, so summarizing, the London Jaguars plus five and a half. That's right. The the Miami Dolphins, wounded Miami Dolphins, laying ten and a half against uh, a more wounded New York Giants football team. And in the Rams catching four and a half at home. We had a discussion at the top of this show about the best, you know, what would, you know, the be- offensive lines. I'm going to tell you something because I'm, I've made it a point to watch all of the NFL games each week. I don't know if I'm going to say they're the best, but the most overachieving line right now is that Los Angeles Rams offensive line right now. They don't have major names there, but when I'm watching them every week, Stafford is getting pretty good protection and it has allowed him to distribute that football and throw it to the Hawaiian Hukunakua. Yeah. Um, and he's just racking up catches. Well, I let's think be honest. Part McVay's, of this a good, McVay's a good coach. And I think, you know, the problems they had last year up front were horrible. So I think he probably prioritized that in the off season. It sounds like you're impressed with what he's put together so far. Absolutely. That's the, that's the one thing that really outside of that kid, Nakua, um, doing what he does and getting open and 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 getting catches. By the way, Cooper Cup comes back this week, so it'd be interesting to see that dynamic as both of them. Uh, this come feels together. like a very. It just feels like one of those really. You know, it feels like a tricky game. The same way the Cardinals were a tricky game for the Cowboys because they lost Diggs early in the week. They're, these are human beings in that game. It would have been nice if the odds makers would have thrown a little more cheese on that pizza, maybe six. But I feel you. Um, this could very well be a field goal game, and you get four and a half. But you know, kudos to the Rams' offensive line and what they're doing right now. And then now they get a really key uh, piece to their offense coming back. So um, a lot of good things to look forward to here. Uh, you know, I, have, I happen to have a pick on the big game, so you know I think we're good there. I don't know what you want to say about the Jets. I will say this on the way going out here. I was impressed with Zach Wilson. Yes, ultimately, poor guy. I, maybe he needs to go to church or whatever, bobble the ball around at the end, and it led to the loss. But the way he was criticized during the week and responded for the most part to, to – I mean, that's another team that could have laid down. You're down 17 nothing, Were they 20 nothing or whatever? No, and you know what? We didn't spend enough time on it. Maybe we will. I'm sure something will happen Sunday that gets me back on this. But I am sick and tired of – inconsistency with these calls especially it seems in kansas city games where all of a sudden it seems like all the refs look and go oh that's incomplete they're gonna have to punt but i got a flag it hurts the (laughs) integrity of the game um there's already people it started off as a joke but now it's like a wide going thing about the nfl is fixed and it doesn't help those kind of calls when. No, it's not fixed. It's just these are these guys making calls. I, I mean, I don't know if they feel the pressure, but like if you want to call that, that that has to be the same call in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. If you're not going to let them play, then I should see lots of interference and holding all game. If I don't see it all game and all of a sudden you bring one out, that's not obvious. I mean, there was nothing obvious to me there. I'll continue to rail against pass interference. It's the biggest play, and, and it's also the biggest BS in the NFL because you can just chuck the ball downfield and get yourself a 40-, 50-yard penalty um, for some kind of obscure contact or whatever that referee there feels it is. I just I just think it's too punitive. We need to go back to a 15-yard penalty, um, and, and let's have some consistency there. I understand the game moves fast now. Um, I, I'm a, I at least have some reverence for that. If you can – 
if a fan can get close down just one day in their life, get on a sideline during a game, you will understand what it is a ref has to deal with. But just pass interference is too punitive for me. I'm with you. Well, there's a lot of good games this weekend. We're in week six of the college season, week five of the NFL season. A lot of good football. So enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it. We appreciate you guys stepping in here with us and watching another episode of the Two Chumps podcast. And I appreciate the growth that we have going on. Um, and we love entertaining you guys. So on your way out, if you've not done it already, go ahead and subscribe. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Anchor, Apple, Amazon, uh, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, go ahead and give us a, a subscribe. Hey, man, and if you really feel like it, go ahead and share this on one of your social media outlets. We know all of you have a whole bunch of them. That's it for us. We're going to see you guys next week. For Emil Calamano, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for watching the Two Chumps Football Podcast. See you guys next week.